You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, yesterday was a waste of my day. I officially hate the Cardinals and the Broncos forever for teasing me. Because look, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to pop off and be like, oh, look who almost lost to the Broncos, you bunch of losers, or... Oh, the 49ers almost lost to the Cardinals. We're going to smoke. That's not really how that works, though. I mean, maybe. I mean, there's a thread of truth in there. But I think the bigger issue is, and you know, I've I've been saying this about the Packers, everybody kind of has bad days, bad drives, bad quarters, bad plays, whatever. But to have one of your real bad games against a really bad team and almost blow it but still get the W, I mean, it's the, the W kind of is all that matters. And there's no real reasonable expectation or reason to believe that this is going to happen every single week, right? The, the Vikings are going to play at a level at the almost lose to the Broncos level for the rest of the season. That's, that's not really how that works. Maybe they will. I hope they will. But next week is a new week. And next week they could be on top of the world and et cetera, et cetera, right? Same with the 49ers. You almost lost to the Cardinals. You're trashed. Yeah, they played like garbage in that game. Cool. That has nothing to do with next week. The only real thing that matters is that the Vikings and the 49ers won, unfortunately. Now, in the big picture, how good are they to almost lose to those teams? Eh. Is there a reasonable expectation that these are teams that are going to struggle to win Super Bowls? You could could dabble in all that. And as much as I want to, because I want to just stick my thumb in the eye of, you know, people that I want to not be successful, because I'm apparently a bad person. I just learned that about five seconds ago. Never really wanted to thumb an eyeball before, but, you know, Vikings fans get under my skin sometimes. But but really, that's, you know, I, I almost tweeted out something, but it, they won. You know, that's it. They won. Wasn't their best effort. They, they were sloppy, but they found a way to win. And at the end of the day, it's a win. And if the Packers end up losing to the 49ers, they are minus the tiebreaker. I mean, just talking records, we're tied with the Vikings. So I can't talk trash and I want to really bad I mean you can if you want that's cool just understand that you know that week is over and that's kind of it and the 49ers and the Vikings they both got W's I suppose there is some good news in looking at the Bears and the Lions but um, what up alarm clock we'll maybe elaborate on that in just a moment but I just want to get that off my chest because I'm very frustrated. And it was so close. And all they had to do was hang on just a little bit, but they couldn't do it. The, the defense just didn't play. It looked like, you know, 2018-ish Packers. Like, hey, we're winning, and then we're just going to give it away. And then our offense has no ability to come back. And uh, Whatever. The, 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 if there's a silver lining, it's the fact that the Vikings are not are certainly not unbeatable at home. By the way, the the noise level, shockingly low. 
Oh, and by the way, last comment here before we get into um, preliminaries, which isn't really preliminary at this point. Did you guys see how many Broncos fans were there? I mean, I know, like, the territories are kind of overlapping a bit. You know, just to the west of Minnesota is this mass swath of Broncos country, which, if you didn't know the demographics of the country, you would say the Broncos have the biggest fan base in the world, but there's, like, eight people that live in that entire region. So maybe that has something to do with it, but, dude, there was a lot of orange in that stadium. So, you know, something to think about. I know going to the Bears game or a home game would be cool, really should consider going to that Vikings game. I know they're not cool people, and they have a bad reputation, but just saying, wouldn't be the worst idea to flood their stadium. Anyways, the Instagram giveaway that I didn't tell you about yesterday, I'll tell you about today. We have a signed Dorsey Levens jersey. It will come with a certificate of authenticity. This will be running from today, or yesterday, I guess, but you can't go back in time. From now through Sunday at, uh, what, noonish? Yes, at noon. I will be announcing the winner of this giveaway on Monday's podcast, but you got to get in. You got to like the Packernet or follow the Packernet podcast on Instagram, and then it's similar rules to the last one. In order to enter, you have to tag three Packer fans in the comments. You can do that up to three times. You get one additional entry if you can send me a screenshot of a five-star review of the podcast, preferably on iTunes, but whatever. So we got that going on. We got an additional giveaway if we can get 17 more followers on Instagram. That giveaway will be um, done pretty much as soon as we get over that hump. So 17 more people will be giving away some more signed stuff. The GoFundMe account page, whatever. Massive, giant thank you to Mark. And I, I may have missed some of, some of these donors here. So let me just run through. I think I said Oscar, but thank you to Oscar, to Brian, to Tanya, and to Mark for all your donations. Once again, this is Packers Fans Against Cancer. There is a link in the description. All donations are going to be sent on Christmas Day, and it is being raised on behalf of the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. We are at exactly $600 right now, which is, because I'm a math wizard, 60% of the way to our goal. We've accomplished that in just 17 days. Very, very, very excited. Thank you guys so much for getting involved in this. I wasn't exactly sure how this was going to go. But again, if you have anything at all, 5 bucks, $10, whatever, please consider giving that to Packers Fans Against Cancer. And once again, if you're planning on giving me any donations for the show, very, very greatly appreciated. I would just ask that you pause that um, from now through Christmas and consider giving that to the um, Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. Once again, link is in the description. Finally, thank you guys so much for all the purchases of the uh, Packers shirts that I have created. I don't even know if I put a link to the store. See, this is I'm, I'm peddling it on the show, and I don't even put a link in this, the thing here. Did I put a link? Oh, yeah, there's a link. There's a link. So underneath the Packer Fans Against Cancer link, there is a Packer Not Merch link. If you're looking to get a little bit of swag, if you got a birthday coming up, if you're looking for some Christmas gifts, there you go. It's entirely possible I'm the only one interested in this because I haven't gotten a ton of great feedback. But I am going to be buying for... Um, well, I don't know if my wife's going to agree, but it'll be the one picture she can get me to smile for. I have shirts that say, Pack Daddy, Pack Mommy, Packer Boy, Packer Girl, and Pack Baby. And so I'm going to be ordering all five of those for our family to wear, and we can take pictures, and that's going to be awesome. So, I don't know, just throwing it out there as an idea. I think that would be a fun family thing to do. I did also get Pack Baby. I've got the onesies, but I actually upgraded that 
into a somewhat larger size so I can put my oldest daughter in it, who's not actually a baby, but it would still be kind of funny because she's the baby. Maybe I should put them on even bigger shirts. You know, because you can still have the baby of the family. I don't know. If, I mean, if you want it, let me know. I'll add a larger shirt. Otherwise, just just an idea. Just throwing it out there. Otherwise, check out some of the designs. I'm going to be coming out with some more in the fairly near future. But I'm um, happy how this thing is turning out so far. Got some more ideas in the works. Anyways, why don't we take a little break? And we'll talk about some stuff. So as I mentioned, I think we got a real good opportunity here to flood... Minnesota, and I think it would be somewhat of a surprise because I don't think that's generally what happens. But imagine the surprise if Minnesota Vikings fans turn on the game and look at their stadium and see like 20% of the stadium in green and gold. Just a complete ambush. I don't think they're expecting it, but I know it's possible. If you're a Packers fan that lives in the area, or even if you're in, you know, northern, whatever, if you're, if you're close enough or if you're willing or able to do it, I would very strongly consider it. Not only would it be kind of cool in a way to just dunk on a division rival, there is zero question that that is the most important game of the year. There is no question about that. Of the games remaining for the Green Bay Packers, as cool as it would be to go to a home game and watch them, you know, beat the Bears and all that, the Minnesota Vikings game is the most important and pivotal game of the season. If you want to support the Packers, that would be the absolute best way to do that. So if you haven't done so yet, head over to the App Store or to Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, fumble around a little bit, see if you can find some tickets that you want, right seats, right price, all that. Remember, every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee, and when it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive up to a $100 discount. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So it wasn't all bad. I mean, the games that really mattered, you know, the Saints I was hoping would fall to Tampa. I know it got to at least within 10. I was kind of hopeful the Saints just completely pulled away, though. Um, Jets won as I expected, which is, I guess, somewhat good because, again, we want Washington to be kind of bad, and they are. I mean, they they allow the Jets, who I had said on the show yesterday, I don't know how they're going to score points. They scored 34 points, so there's that. Dallas beat Detroit. Again, good because we got to play Detroit. Kind of want that to be the case. New England won because whatever. But I think the best and biggest development would be the Chicago Bears. Now, I didn't expect the Bears to win, but... I mean, but to watch this team collapse as it is, is just glorious. Especially if anybody that's been listening for some time, because I probably spent like a month prior to the season doing little else than talking about how bad Trubisky is. And I did it because, if you remember, there was a pretty strong narrative for pretty much the entire offseason and regular season last year that Trubisky had actually improved last year. And I was saying, no, I don't think he did. And I was going out on a limb saying he wasn't very good. I had Packers fans saying, yeah, he did take a step forward, but he's still not that great. That was like the best you could get out of Packers fans even. And even Packers fans were giving me a hard time like, I don't know, man. I mean, he did get better. I mean, look at the stats. He did improve. I'm saying, no, he didn't. He got worse, and he's really, really, really bad. Despite the stats, he's really, really bad. So I'm enjoying this very, very much. I also was mocked and laughed at by Bears fans 
when I said I think the Packers will have a better pass rush than the Chicago Bears. Now, granted, I didn't expect Preston and Zedarius to be as good, and I thought Kenny and Mike Daniels would be a big part of that equation. But again, kind of called that. But in the uh, Facebook group, which, by the way, make sure you are in the Facebook group. Lots of good folks there. Nico had posted, hot take, both the Bears and the Rams suck. And um, later on, you know, Ryan talks about how he benched Trubisky, you know, on and on. And then Nico comes back and says he remembers me on the podcast after the Bears lost in the playoffs, telling them that they swung for the fence and failed, and now it's going to be all downhill from then on. I did say that. I also said that about the Rams. I also said that about the Jaguars. Look at those three franchises. Now, the one team that did it and is still successful to a degree is the Philadelphia Eagles, but we can see already that their team is not what it was. And really what it comes down to is, again, good GM, good head coach, and to a large degree, a good quarterback. Now, if you've got a good enough head coach, you can make a quarterback look good. And also, it's it's a tough sell if you're going to go all in and leverage the future of your team for me to call you a good GM. But I think you can rebound from an all-in move if you start quickly moving people off the team, right? If you go all in on a bunch of one-year contracts and move a bunch of people off and draft some people and then maybe sign some more people with new contracts, you can kind of maneuver this thing. And we saw that with Philadelphia kind of recycling defensive linemen. That was their big all-in push. Then those guys started leaving, but then they started picking up new defensive linemen. But you look at the Jaguars that went all-in around the same time the Eagles did. The Eagles win the Super Bowl, the Jaguars missed. And you're looking at a team that does not draft well, doesn't have a stable, solid head coach, and does not have a good um, quarterback, and they just can't do it. They were close when they went all in, but they missed because they had Blake Bortles, and now they're floundering. And the Bears are in the same situation. Their GM is not very good at drafting. He's not terrible, but he also went all in. He overspent on Khalil Mack, which been saying that for a long time. I was one of the few that said, I'm glad the Packers didn't get him. I'm surprised that Gutekunst tried, and I'm glad he didn't get him. It's too much money. I don't want to pay $25 million for one guy that isn't a quarterback. But it is important to look at that. And it's also important to remember what all-in looks like and what good all-in looks like as opposed to bad all-in. You look at the Rams in particular, they went all-in, but they also went for a bunch of head cases. They went with guys that are kind of personality clashy kind of people. And the problem with that kind of a team is that when things are good, they're real good. When they're bad, they tend to get real bad. Now, I haven't seen a lot of personality problems with this team, but that generally is the way that it goes because they play with a lot of emotion. That's, I mean, kind of how the Vikings are as well, even though all the emotion is wrapped up in digs, but he's like a 13-year-old girl, so he has enough emotion to cover the entire team. That guy's celebrating touchdowns three quarters after he gets his first touchdown. He's also pouting and crying and refusing to practice and off in seclusion somewhere in the forest when he doesn't get passes thrown his way or if Kirk Cousins overthrows him a couple times. And then he hates Kirk Cousins. And then he starts crying about that's my quarterback when he throws a touchdown. He's just, he's such a little girl, it drives me insane. Good football player, but oh my goodness. Control your emotions, sweetheart, all right? But that's the Vikings. When they're high, they're real high. When they're low, they're real low. And the Jaguars were very similar, right? real high emotion type people and it's great when things are riding high same with the Panthers and Cam Newton boy when they were undefeated and they felt like they were invincible they were riding high then they lose to the Super Bowl and Cam starts pouting then they come back in the very first game they play is once again against the Broncos it's a Super Bowl rematch and they lose and I've referenced this a thousand times but it's it's not necessarily to brag although I don't mind doing it 
But it's to kind of illustrate a larger point that I want all of us to be focused on. That when a high emotion team with a high emotion leader loses in the Super Bowl, comes back, faces that same team, and a team that was 15-1 and in the regular season last year goes 0-1 to start the season, you get your pouty quarterback and your high emotion team starts feeling down, things spiral out of control. And the only reason I'm bringing all this stuff in, and, and there's different variables for each team. It's not just high emotion. It's not just all in. There, there's different variables. But there are things that you can read about these things. Right? I talked about the Chiefs and how that's high volatility. And I don't see them as a super successful franchise. And now they're sitting here after one great year of success already at 6-4. and four, And already the media is not talking about them as this elite team. Right? They've moved on to Baltimore. Nobody cares about Kansas City anymore. Baltimore is the big rising star to take on New England. And rightly so. they got a solid defense. If I'm going to pick somebody to win the Super Bowl that isn't the Patriots, or the Packers for that matter, it's Baltimore. Not just because of Lamar, and Lamar's doing good things, and, and to be honest, that's the thing I'd be worried about the most, because although he's their maybe their biggest asset right now, he's also one of those guys that if they figure him out, he could they could be in trouble. But it's the defense of that team that's also playing well that has me, I don't want to say excited, but if you know, as a neutral person, excited about the Baltimore Ravens. By the way, I had mentioned Baltimore last year. See, it's so weird how there are patterns that repeat. I mentioned Baltimore last year because another pattern that you see is there is always a team that slips into the playoffs that you look at and say, I don't know why they're here. I feel like they're not that good, and yet here they are. And, you know, they had a good record and all that. But still, it was kind of kind of felt like they didn't belong. And a lot of times those are the teams that really take off in the future. Right? We saw that with Seattle when they limped in and everyone's outraged at the playoff system because how dare this team even be in here? And look what happened. They formed almost a little mini dynasty, which is technically continuing, continuing into this eight. Now, they haven't won a lot of Super Bowls, but they've been a dominant force since that moment. That was the Marshawn Lynch year where they shouldn't have even been in the playoffs. And then they go on to win their first game. And it's like, well, okay. Right? There's something there. And that, man, my brain is firing on all kinds of connections here. That goes to my point also, granted, when you lock in because you, the rest of your division is garbage, that's a different situation. But it goes to what I was talking about also and where to the point where good teams find a way to win. You can say that you're bad and you got lucky and all this stuff, but being in the playoffs says something. And if you're in the playoffs and you've got a not super great record, you're only a 9-win team or whatever, and you win and you go on to have success, it shouldn't be all that super surprising. Again, depends on the scenario. But Baltimore absolutely could be on a pretty serious run here. They were the team that I put in the back of my mind and said, I would watch out for Baltimore. Because when they got in, I said, Baltimore. This is a nothing team. But that's always what I think about the up-and-coming teams. Now, the, the longevity of the, of the success of the team is going to depend on several factors. You know, again, we saw Jacksonville have success and all these things going all in. And I know Baltimore did invest some in their defense. But I tend to think that this is a different scenario because they purged more people than they brought in. They brought in Earl Thomas. That was great. But they also got rid of, you know, Suggs. They got rid of Zadarius. They, I didn't think their defense was going to be any good because they purged their whole defense, and their defense is solid. So after purging people, you have a good defense and you have a solid quarterback. You know, they, they tend to do fairly well. As I mean, as, as an organization, they're a steady organization. I don't know if I'm going to call them a good organization. But, right, we, I mean, we poached, poached one of their personnel guys because at least, at the very least, they draft defensively very well. I know this is a Packers podcast, but I'm, I'm just trying to get into the, the realm of theory because ultimately what I'm, what I'm coming to is sort of an appreciation for the Packers and the way they do things. A lot of Packer fans want the Packers every year to go all in the way the Bears went all in, right? Why couldn't we have gotten Khalil Mack? And now look, Khalil's not doing enough. 
the quarterback isn't doing enough, and even if Ryan Pace is a good drafter, which, you know, you could make an argument for it, it's hard with Trubisky, but there's a few other picks that were pretty good, he's completely taken himself out at the knees by giving away all his picks. And the media is hilarious, by the way. The media is, is so unbelievably dishonest, specifically talking about, like, the ESPN people, the, the even the you know, the Colin Coward-ish people, although they're, they're not as bad. They're, they're obnoxious, but they're not as bad as, as the ESPN folks because they just ride every train. The, the entire draft, they were talking about how genius that the Chicago Bears are. And every, even when they didn't have a pick, it's like, yeah, well, would you rather have that or, or Khalil Mack? Yeah, but you're not adding all the other... So the bottom line is they, they just wanted to say that he was a genius because the Bears were good last year. I guarantee you he's not going to win GM of the year this year. Which, again, even those awards, it, it all just depends on how good the team does. It was a dumb decision. He, he did a poor job of... He, he, he didn't do his job well, and he won an award for doing the job better than anybody else. So saying, yeah, well, the success of the team should matter. No. Making good decisions is what should matter. Doing your job well is what should matter. Right? When the Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl last time, I wouldn't necessarily look at that and say, well, clearly he's the best quarterback because they won the Super Bowl. No, you judge him based on how good of a quarterback Joe Flacco is. And I'm judging him as a pretty mediocre quarterback that year who had an elite defense. You get what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm, what I'm driving at? It's not just based on success. It's about doing things the right way and trusting the process. So the Rams are on the downswing. They over-leverage themselves. Their, their defense is, is not that good, and it's falling apart. Right? they got guys like Clay. Obviously, when you have Aaron Donald, that has a big impact, but he's also a massive drain on resources. They just paid him big money, what, last year? $22 million a year or something like that? Granted, it's worth it, but that's, that makes it hard. Chicago is in a situation where they can't even get a quarterback this year unless they get lucky and draft one in the second round. That isn't a bust. But the thing is, even if you say, okay, let's not get a, let's basically look at this as a rebuild. We'll start purging some talent, obviously not Khalil Mack type talent, but some guys will draft pieces in the upcoming draft with whatever draft picks we have left. And then the, the following year, after we have another bad year, well, then we'll go out and get a quarterback. The problem is a lot of your top end talent on defense is going to be gone. And without Vic Fangio there to be the architect of that defense, it's just going to continue to collapse. And then you have a situation where you're just back to being the regular old bad Bears, not the Bears that aren't good but have a really good defense Bears. No, just the Bears Bears, just the regular old we're kind of bad at everything Bears. Garbage. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I I don't know how many times and how much more clear I could have been that it's not just Mitch Trubisky that's the problem, although that was the biggest scenario. The problem for the Bears is the long term. I did a whole episode on if you had to buy a team for the future, you would buy the Packers, no questions asked. Even the Vikings are on a thread. They're, they're, they're having one of their all-in years, and, and they didn't go all-in the way other teams go all-in, and they're having success with their key pieces, but they've got a, still a bunch of pieces that they're overpaying for, and eventually they're going to have some hard financial decisions to make. So this year, who's the best team in the NFC North? It's either the Packers or the Vikings. Who would you expect to be the best next year? I don't know. Look at the draft uh, capital. Look at the, the financial situation. Look at the age of the people on this team. Again, the Packers are a very young team. All the new talent that has been acquired, we're looking at 26-year-olds. Amos and Zadarius and Preston, these aren't one-year contracts of 33-year-old guys. That's the difference between getting Zadarius and Earl Thomas. And you look at successful teams, would you, you know, this year the Packers have a shot, that's true. 
looking into the future, what, the, the, where are the Bears at? They're on the downswing. They're collapsing. Where are the Rams at? They're collapsing. Cincinnati is rebuilding. Oakland is building, but they're still a long way off. New England's riding high, and they're going to continue to until that, that train eventually derails, and I don't know when that's going to happen, but New England's always going to be New England. Philadelphia is clearly on some kind of a downswing, and they need to figure something else out. And after watching yesterday, I, I used to sit here and say, I don't know why everyone trashes Carson Wentz so much. That was garbage. That was just trash. They've got a good coach, and if they have any kind of good GM, they got to figure out some kind of a strategy other than let's just pay for defensive line talent. Arizona invested a ton in quarterback. They just don't know what they're doing. Drafting quarterbacks back-to-back in the first round is dumb. San Francisco, we'll see. It's easy to draft well when you have, you know, a top three pick. Overall, how they've been drafting. Obviously, they do have a good head coach. Some potential, this could be a long-term deal. Baltimore, I already talked about. Houston, I just don't see it. I like Deshaun Watson, but the whole thing about, you know, they I don't think they have a good GM. They, they don't seem to be drafting well. They've been riding that same defense that's J.J. Watt forever, and he's hurt half the year every year. So, you know, J.J. Watt. And a talented quarterback with no offensive line, no run game, and one wide receiver. It just that formula isn't working, and I don't think it's going to work. They're just going to keep riding that. I mean, that this is the Cincinnati Bengals all over again. We don't have a run game, we don't have an offensive line, but we got a quarterback that can throw to one wide receiver, and once in a while we have a defense. That formula doesn't work. The Falcons. I mean, they're having some success now, but this isn't the Falcons of old. At least I don't think they still have to do some soul searching. Carolina is just they they have to figure out what they are. Dallas already isn't as strong as they were last year. Detroit, I don't know what they're doing. Jacksonville is crumbling. Indy lost their quarterback and has to find their identity. They're, they're already nowhere near what they were last year. I thought they were going to be a massive contender. Their defense isn't what it was last year. Their run game isn't as strong as it was last year, and they don't have the quarterback anymore. Buffalo's a fluke. Miami's a joke. Denver has a defensive head coach that you know can't even call a good enough defense to hold out the Minnesota Vikings when you have a 20-point lead in the first quarter or in the first half. Minnesota, again, is, is trying to win as, as hard as they can while as long as they can hold on to this core. And they've been holding on and holding on as long as they can. Eventually, you can't hold on anymore. The Saints are trying as hard as they can to hold on as long as they have Breeze. And they've been going all in. They've, they've been, you know, kind of secretly been going all in because they're worried about this thing. They, they realize the window is closing. Tampa Bay is not doing anything but being spoiler. The Jets are a joke. The Redskins are a joke. Kansas City is already on a slight decline, and the Chargers can never fully reach their potential. Cleveland was, you know, a flash in the pan, but is nothing until they can find a coach. Pittsburgh needs to find its identity. The Titans aren't ever going to be anything until they can... I mean, they, they have to hit any of those things. They, I don't think they have a good GM. They do not draft well. They don't have a quarterback. I don't believe they have a good head coach. The Seahawks are good, but they, I mean, they, they haven't... They've been declining ever since forever. As I said, they're similar to the Patriots because they have such a good coach and such a good quarterback that can make this thing work. But this team has been declining thanks to Mr. Schneider since basically since he built the Legion of Boom. He had a one year that was elite and then brought in one or two free agents that have been impactful and just had the, the, the team has just been falling apart ever since. The Giants are, are a joke and that's the remainder of the teams. Again, if you were to invest in a team, you've got Aaron Rodgers, who can play for, I mean, he can play, what, 10 years if he wants to. You've got a defense that is entirely youthful. Maybe need to upgrade linebacker. But we got Amos, who's young and talented. You got Savage, who's young and talented. You got Zadarius and Preston, who are young and talented. You have Kenny Clark, who's young and talented. 
You got Dean Lowry, who was just signed to a contract extension. You got Jair and King, who are young and talented. You know, varying degrees here with Dean and King and whatnot, but but still. And we have a, a GM that is shown to be talented in regard to especially free agency. What an incredible job he did there. But also, he's hit on some pretty big pieces in the draft. It's not perfect, but nobody's perfect. Poverty's nerfed. You've got a head coach. You've got a quarterback. You've got a GM. You do not have a contract mess. You do not have a team that went all in and is unsustainable. These are are long-term contracts. These are four-year contracts. These guys are locked up for a long time. Now, can they be as aggressive in coming years? Probably not. But this isn't a team that needs to start purging in order just to, to hold the contracts together or restructuring or any of this kind of stuff. Aaron Rodgers is locked up. Our pass rush duo is locked up. Our safeties are locked up. So although, it's a long way to get here, Although this week, this past day, wasn't the greatest in terms of outcome, right? It would have been nice to see the Vikings fall, the 49ers fall. It was great to see a display of a bunch of teams just flailing. Last year was a very tough year because you had a lot of teams that went all in and made bad decisions at the same time really converging on each other. And this year, you're starting to see that regression. I talked about how the the Bears were over-leveraged how the talent level that you saw was higher than it should be, right? It was like an inflated bubble that was about to burst, and the bubble burst, and the Rams bubble burst, and the Jaguars bubble burst. And a lot of these teams that were, you know, some of them were ascending, some of them were already declining, whatever. This year, a lot of teams are kind of falling apart, and the ones that are, you know, truly sustainable, the Patriots, the 49ers, the Ravens, the Packers, the teams that that have have the ability to be in it for the long haul, I think are the ones that you're going to see in the end. And we have a lot to be grateful for for that reason. Anyways, let's take one more quick break and then we'll come on back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So continuing to comb through the comment section here, Ryan had mentioned how we didn't win any, get any favor. And I think Sean kind of hit the nail on the head here. He said, the moral of the story is the Packers get no breaks. They're going to have to control their own future. Can't count on anybody because they all suck. And, and here's another way to kind of look at that. 
that needs to happen anyways. It would be nice if they didn't need to and they had a little bit of leeway and they, they got into the playoffs and got a first round bye because everyone fell apart and it was just easy. And that's great for a regular season record and it's great for winning the division and, and, and bragging rights in the off season so that the Vikings and the Bears and the Lions fans can't talk. It doesn't help us in the playoffs. It's not going to help us to beat the you know the, the, the Baltimore Ravens or the, the New England Patriots. It's not going to help us beat the Saints or the Chiefs, or whatever team we end up playing at whatever point in the season. You know, this is the time of year when teams need to kind of understand their identity, and there's still a little bit of time, primarily looking at that sort of last four-week stretch when you really need to start looking like a Super Bowl contender. I mean, technically, you can start doing that the first week of the playoffs if you want to. Ideally, however, you start to sort of solidify toward the end of the and we're getting into that zone. And so, look, the Packers do control their own destiny. Win and you're in, win, and you win the division, win, and you have a very good chance of having a first-round bye. In fact, I don't know that that's entirely debatable. I guess it would depend how everything else shakes out. But that's where the Packers are at, and it's entirely up to them to, you know, control their own destiny. And that should be what we want. That should be what the Packers want. And I, you know, believe me, I'm, I'm there rooting for the Broncos, and I'm there rooting for the Cardinals, but at the end of the day, I don't want there to be any doubt why the Packers got to where they are. I don't want to hear any nonsense about, oh, they only got it, they limped into the playoffs because the, the 49ers were bad, or this team were bad, or it was a season where everybody was bad. No, they got where they are because they're just better than everybody. They got into the playoffs because they earned their spot into the playoffs. They got a first-round bye because they were one of the best teams in the NFC nor or in, in the NFC. They got to the playoffs because they were the best team in the NFC. They won the Super Bowl because they were the best team in 2019. I don't need any asterisks. I don't want there to be any doubt. And look, if the Packers win, would you have rather they beat the Cardinals or lost to the Cardinals? Because you know what happens if they lose to the Cardinals and then lose to the Packers. It, it just looks bad. Oh, big deal. They lost to the Cardinals last week. Nah, you know what? No. The Packers need to be the kind of team that can travel to the West Coast, go back to California. I mean, you talk about a redemption game. You got embarrassed last time you went out there. You guys didn't take the game seriously. You've got an entire week to rest, to recover, and it is now prep week, right? It's game on. You're playing this Sunday. Get healthy, get rested, get studied up, because as, as good as Kyle Shanahan is and as good as some of these players on the San Francisco 49ers defense are and as good as George Kittle is, the fact of the matter is this team, if they get fired up and if they play hard and if they play their best, they're going to win if Aaron Rodgers comes out and plays his best. If Aaron Jones plays his best, if this offensive line plays at their best, if these corners play at their best, if these pass rushers play at their best, if Kenny plays at his best, if Savage and Amos play at their best, if these guys are at their best, they will beat the 49ers, and there will be no doubt as to who the best team, not just in the NFC North or the NFC, but in the NFL is. It's time for them to leave no doubt, because there's been doubt all year. I've been saying since before the season started, I don't know what this team is. After they went on their little win streak, I still didn't know what the team was. After they lost to the Eagles, it doesn't really clarify things. They go on to beat some bad teams, win a couple good teams, but on, you know, and, you know, they beat the Vikings and the Vikings are good, except they had a really bad day or they lose to this team, but they didn't really try and they were hung over, right? I, you know, there's a whole lot of, I just don't really know. It's time to solidify that. It's time to start answering these questions because volatility is why you don't win a Super Bowl consistency is what wins a Super Bowl, and that's the one thing the Packers don't have is consistently. They do consistently find ways to win, 
but consistency on defense, consistency on offense, consistency through the air, consistency on the ground. This is what's going to carry them to wins wins in tough games against teams like the 49ers, help them to beat teams like the Minnesota Vikings, help them to not give up easier games like to the Redskins, to the Giants. Consistency is what's going to carry them through the playoffs because the Packers have right now what they haven't had in previous years. Despite the struggles of the defense, they do have a defense. They do have a pass rush. They do have corners. And if they can just tap into it and just stay strong and keep playing strong, just hang in there. They can coast to a first-round bye. And if they can beat the 49ers, there's a real good chance, assuming they beat the 49ers and find a way to beat the Vikings, and maybe not even, I don't know. But we're looking at a team that has the potential to be playing in Lambeau for the entirety of the playoffs up until the Super Bowl, which means you have somebody like the Vikings or whoever coming to Lambeau in January to play the Packers for two weeks in a row. And all the Packers have to do is win two games at home, probably against teams they've already beat. What, the 49ers are going to be a team? The Vikings are a team? Who else? The Cowboys? They've already beat these teams. Beat the Cowboys in Dallas. If they can stay healthy and stay strong, they get a real opportunity to play in Lambeau for the entirety of the playoffs. And all they have to do is, what, win two games in Lambeau and they're in the Super Bowl? It's so close. It's so close. And really, all they have to do, this is what, this is, this is, if we were going to boil it down, Pending any kind of massive disaster, some kind of loss that they should never lose, what we're talking about, beat the 49ers and the Vikings. I'm, t- I'm asking you to win two games. Then what do you need to do? You need to win two games at home. I'm, I'm shrinking this down to the smallest possible terms. Beat the 49ers, beat the Vikings, and then win two games at home in the playoffs and you're in the Super Bowl. That's really what, what it's come down to. And they've put themselves in that position by being as good as they have been through this season, despite the struggles, they find ways to win, and now they're in a position where they control their own destiny. Go after the bye, out to California, beat the 49ers, go to Minneapolis, go to Minnesota, beat the Vikings, and the Packers will have a first-round bye, will be the number one seed, and again, win two home games, and you're in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's how the Patriots have been so successful. They, they dominate the AFC because there isn't a ton of competition, especially within their own division. They go on to win two home games, and they're in the Super Bowl. Packers have an opportunity to have that exact same situation and scenario. It's very, very close, man. I know I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, and there's a lot of things that could go wrong with you know, injuries. There's still games that are not guaranteed. The Bears and the Lions games are not guarantees. Even the, the Giants and Redskins technically are not guarantees. But I genuinely believe, find a way to beat the 49ers and the Vikings win two home games, and the Packers will be in the Super Bowl. That's not that big of a task. So, anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.